You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Kristen Ray Harrington, what is going on? We got another new episode. It's the end of February. The days are getting longer. A little more sunshine every single day on our skins. The life is coming back into us. Life is good in every possible way, right? Yeah, we feel like the Mario Brothers when they eat the mushrooms and you're like, and you just grow bigger and stronger. Just we're just tanks right now. <laughs> That's what every woman wants to be. I want to be a tank. You just finished the, or you're doing the hundred push-ups a day. I am. Do- yes, I did this challenge, and even on my worst day, stuck with it. Yeah. This is almost. Uh, I guess this is maybe a good or a bad thing. I haven't decided yet, but I'm that person when it comes to discipline that if it's written down and this is a challenge, I would sooner die than give up on it. Yeah. But left to my own devices, I'm just kind of lazy about things. So I don't know how that works psychologically. You just you're you have to have a dialogue to follow some something is i guess i need to have it written down on a piece of paper there you go that that paper owns me take over the world just (laughs) write take over the world now maybe i should start writing more lofty goals down that's just how they get done (laughs) well if 100 push-ups a day is a good goal do i look tanky do my arms look good tree trunks here (laughs) i don't know what i'm supposed to say (laughs) here what do i do (laughs) yeah you got big tree trunk arms (laughs) there you like that yeah yeah, that's what every woman wants to hear too. But yeah. it's all good. No, I feel good. It's uh, it's nice to have a challenge like that. And we're leaving for podcast conference number two in yes. just a week. South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. How excited are you? I was going through the schedule the other day and they have at the top the list of all their keynote speakers, all of whom are world renowned. And then you get into the smaller subsections of the conferences that are happening around, happening around the city. And in those sections are people like Jay Shetty and Elijah Wood. Like, no big deal. They're just buried in these mm. meetings because there's just so many heavy hitters there. That Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, very exciting. And we'll get some Texas barbecue while we're there. That's pretty much why we're going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never been to Texas, so. We like to seek out the barbecue. We'll yeah. bust out our own and our smoker this summer. You've taken on smoking. Um, yeah. Mike, Mike took up smoking last yeah. year. <laughs> Learning from the best, Mr. The the creator off, well, not off the, the segment, but the, the name of the segment, Thoughts and Things. That's right. Mr. Rodney Leahy. We have stuck with Thoughts and Things, and we have something brand new for Thoughts and Things this week even. Let's hear it. Thoughts and things, thoughts and things, thoughts and things, thoughts and things. And that is the new theme song for Thoughts and Things. (laughs) How beautiful were my vocals in this. They are in there. (laughs) 
<laughs> they are in there. It's funny because it, it took me a long time to work up the courage to sing the one line in this silly jingle. And then maybe an hour later, you're like, it's ready. Do you want to come listen? And I do. And I'm like, it sounds really good because you can't really hear me in it. <laughs> no, you're there. I'm there. But thank you for putting 17 layers of your voice no. over the one recording of mine. You're, you're the focal point in my eyes anyway. Ah, uh, thank you. And yeah, well, so we might as well dive right into the thoughts and things because we did play the theme song and that indicates that we must come up with a quote or something, a thought or a thing. It's that segment. And I have a quote today that I think is very important to us as podcasters and even Dale, our guest, I find we're all good listeners. Like as a podcast host, you have to be a good listener. Like the biggest part of the job is sitting back, listening to the guests and then being able to comment on that. And then Dale, who we'll get into in a little bit, he is someone who, I don't know if you'd say he's quiet, but maybe at times, but he, he sits back and, and take, takes it all in and then he'll say, say something wise, I find. So this quote from Epictetus. Say that three times fast. Epictetus, <laughs> who's a Stoic philosopher. We have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak. Hmm. That's good advice. Epictetus. It, it's a reflection, but it's also good advice, I would say. And I've really been surprised at how many people have made the comment to you and I about the podcast that we're good listeners. Because I can't imagine interviewing somebody and going about it otherwise. But it's a it's a wonderful thing to hear for feedback with our guests. Like, oh, you guys really, you guys are really good listeners. Well, yeah. How else can you go about an interview? Well, I think most lots of people who do interviews and lots of people who aren't necessarily great at them. But I think that is a very key component is to understand what your your guest is saying and and it's it's still a challenge like. We want to keep the conversation going, but you want to listen at the same time. You want to have the next question potentially prepared. So you, you you do at times get a little off guard and you're you're not listening as good as you want to because you're trying to think of, okay, how can I roll into the next thing? But I think we're getting better at it all the time. And that's that's the, the goal of this is to constantly improve and get to a point where it is more seamless. And I feel like we are getting there. Do you find that you are a better listener in your day-to-day -day as a result of podcasting? I've always felt I was pretty good. Like uh, I like to observe. I guess listen and observe are a, a similar thing. And I don't always want to be the first person to say something because I want to assess my surroundings and and other people and what 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 is happening around me. So. But yeah, I think in just in conversations, it it just allows us like having this podcast really allows us to to understand when some when someone's talking to to give them the time to to really say what they want to and need to. Dale is also in a unique role in that he's producing so many other people's artwork and music and podcasts. He he produces Christina's podcast that you would have to be a good listener. I feel, though, that it really comes to him naturally because being in that envi environment or just sitting around his kitchen table, he has that same demeanor about him. 
He doesn't need to be the center of attention. He's very happy to be the quiet supporter in the background. Yeah. It's a really humble approach to life. I think it's something maybe you can be aware of, but again, for him, it just truly feels that that's his authentic sense of self and energy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's just a great guy, and we might as well get into who Mr. Dale Murray is. Talented musician, plays with his, his wife, Christina Martin. He played with a, a billion bands. You read read his bio. He toured with Hayden, one, one an actor who I really love. I didn't even know that until I read his bio. Yeah, uh, yeah just a very accomplished musician, producer, engineer, now like he has his own studio always working on stuff great great quiet leader mm, and his eyes look like beach glass <laughs> i can say that about him <laughs> uh, i would i would say if i was to compare his eyes to something i wouldn't have come up with that exact one just because what would you have come up with uh, describe dale murray's <laughs> eyes mike <laughs> They are like a setting sunset, and the... no, they're not. You, I, I really want you to think about this because Dale's going to hear this, and he wants to know what you think about his I eyes. Don't, I don't know if I made an observation <laughs> that I have a, a an analogy well, for his eyes. They're sea glassy gals they're, they're out not, there. Yeah, yes, he, he, he has nice eyes. Yeah, but he and Christina are just the coolest cats around. They're. Heading out on tour shortly, another UK tour. They're just always working so hard. They're seriously two of the hardest working people I know and a creative couple like us. So they've become good friends just having that in common. And uh, they're big into the outdoors. They really take time to take care of their health and wellness and mental health. And these are all priorities that we have in common. So Dale was so much fun to not only interview, but they're just... They just both have a great sense of humor. And I, I'm yeah. lumping he and Christina together here a little now. We, we did a previous episode with just Christina, but they very much are a team. They're best friends. And uh, yeah, it was fun just to hear from from him, I guess, and his yeah. world and all the background stuff that he has to offer. Yeah. And he's just, just a pleasure to be around just because he's he lets you be you. He's not trying to yeah. drive how the, the conversation or the setting should be. He just, he shows up as he is and, and you show up as you or how you are. And it's yeah just a nice energy to be around. Exactly. And we're playing one of Dale's songs at the end of this episode too, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Well, whenever we have our musicians on, we like to do that. So we'll look forward to that rather than the introduction. So Open your ears, uh, those two listeners that you have, and we'll just dive right into this episode. These feel like different headphones. Maybe they're just a different size. Are these ones the, you usually use? No, no, they're the ones you use 100% of the time. <laughs> For 100 I, episodes. <laughs> I think my head may be shrunk. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get an ear reduction? <laughs> you get that cast around I your head. I got a skull reduction. <laughs> the mustard in your ears. Yeah, oh, something God. like that. Anyways, we're all sorted. They they fit again. Good. It's amazing how they adjust to size, huh? <laughs> What's going on, Dale? Uh, well, I coming to do your podcast. Lucky us. Yeah. And you you got your haircut for this, didn't you? I well, I needed a haircut. But but yes, I you got your hair cut for this. I, I didn't did. You, I knew Dale. there was a there was a photo gonna happen, yeah. so it had to had to happen. 
Do you know what? You may actually be unveiling a very new little segment that happens afterwards, mm-hmm. where a little video segment. We we won't get into it now, but we we might ask you a few questions that okay. are very simple. Yeah. That I think you know, like what's your name? What do you do? Stuff yeah. like that. So that uh, a video segment. Yeah. So how did? Where does this get? Viewed? Oh, just just for promotion, social okay. media stuff. Okay. You know, on the radio, how they'll say. This is Mike Ryan from the Town Heroes, and you're listening to Live 105. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to do something similar to okay. that for the podcast. And I'm just saying, with this new haircut, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is going to probably go viral. <laughs> yeah, Way to bring it back, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. So have you ever cut your own hair? I've never cut my own hair, but I've Christina cut my hair for a while, mm. and it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't great. But, it, but when you're on the road and stuff, it's easier just to just to do it and it's of, free unless and maybe, it's free. maybe christina charges you i, I don't know <laughs> no no that was, it was free and it should have been yeah <laughs> yeah i've cut mike's hair for quite a few You've years cut it forever now every maybe three or four years i ask that he go in and get a proper haircut so and that i have just, that shape the shape yeah, and then the you thing. just make it an inch or two shorter from that shape yes and curly hair is quite forgiving actually i'm just letting it i'm growing it out right now really yeah. Well, that's <laughs> ever since when we first started dating, Kristen just always said she's growing her hair out. And I'm like, it's been like seven years now and your hair just seems to be like the same length all the so time. It's a, it's a girl thing, maybe. Yeah. But growing you grow, growing out you get her hair. It, you, you get it trimmed. I do. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's quite long though now. It is. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the final destination is, like when, when it's complete, <laughs> when the growth is done, but we're on our way. Yeah. Guys do it more with the beard. Like, where's the final destination? Mm. Mine's not actually doesn't get that long. So has it ever been uh, like a superstitious thing, you know, in sports where people won't shave if they're on a winning streak? Have mm-hmm. you ever had For me? something like that? No, yeah. no, no. I, I was just basically curious to see how long it would get. At, and so that that's the only time I let it go. Otherwise, it's sort of just trim it nice. How long was that when it was at its longest how long? <laughs> Did you measure not, it? Did you take a like, ruler? <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's it's it wasn't very impressive. Yeah. No. It was full. It was full in, which I was surprised that, but it, not very long. It doesn't get long. No, I bet it looked good though. I mean, it it worked. Yeah, I didn't. I have mean, to... look, I'm Dale Murray. Come on, <laughs> seriously, I'm Dale Murray. I commented earlier that you look 15 still to me. That's you so look nice. very young. You look very youthful and healthy and glowy. I didn't always look that that way so what what's changed how have you aged and you look better than you did 20 years ago well just i mean overall health is Mm. is huge like i went through like a a bit of a doughy stage where like the face is sort of rounder than than it is now uh yeah just hell i'm just healthier now Mm. what do you focus on i guess diet was a big thing but i also I also, around the the beginning of the pandemic, I've always had pretty bad stomach issues and stuff, but it sort of came to a head where I was getting physically sick. Like yeah. I was throwing up every single night and really? just feeling Whoa. horrible. So I went to the doctor and they said, okay, well, we'll get you in because your priority a patient, they did blood, blood work and then it was going to be six months wait at least. I was like, I, I need to do something else. So I went to a naturopath, and yeah. a naturopath that I had gone to 10 years earlier. And by some fluke, she had still kept my file. She said, 
I never keep people's files more than two years, but here it is. And I, and she said, uh, you know, looking at this now, what I know now, I can tell you exactly what's wrong with you, huh. but that I didn't know back then, you know? So she really helped me get through a big hurdle of like, of my, my health basically. And, and then I just sort of carried on with mm. it. But uh, yeah, no, that's like my overall well-being and i guess the way i look is has definitely improved over the past few years how hard is it and i know because i find it a struggle is it maintaining health when you're touring yeah that's a tough one uh gas station food yeah no we i mean <laughs> like partially because we, we the, christina my wife and and i are uh are vegan yeah so that rules out certain things yeah uh but, um, but I mean, it's still like, you know, you have to go out of your way to, to stay healthy. On you have to put an effort in. You, you need to, t- yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. And, and it's easier now because of, you know, Google maps, you can Google up a vegan mm. restaurant yeah. on the road where in the old days it was, you just, we're not getting off this highway because we don't know where we're going. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what's in the, in this town, if there is anything yeah. any better than a gas station. But, uh. Yeah, it just takes a little bit of extra effort, and uh, and it's worth it. I think. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, was was going vegan part of the change that you made at the time that you weren't feeling well? It was. You know what we we'd gone vegan the year before, and I think it was actually part of the reason that that things came to a head because overall a vegan diet can be harder on your stomach, and so someone who doesn't have a, a great, you know. Uh, like my stomach wasn't working very well. Mm. Uh, uh, so going vegan sort of helped bring it to a head where, you know, you know, that saying like you never really do the change until you need to do the change, you know? And, and that was, that was one of the things that, that led everything to a head that I had to do. I had to make an effort. I had to, uh, look for help basically. Um, so yeah, um, it wasn't, it wasn't one of the reasons why we we did it. We wanted to be healthier. Obviously, everybody wants to be healthier. So yeah. that was one of the 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 one of the reasons what we thought about it. But but also, you know, ethical things and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've heard people with severe illnesses, even cancer, say this is the healthiest I've ever been because that disease has forced them to reconsider their health in in other ways. So yes, you're still fighting this disease, so it, it might not sound like you're the picture of health, but just to say it's led to the decision-making to live a healthier it's lifestyle. It's like a breaking, a breaking point, or yeah. maybe you could say rock bottom, or exactly where you, you have to change, or... Mm-hmm. Your life isn't, it's yeah. not going to have, yeah. it's not going to be what it should be. You're not going to yeah. have a life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, And we've gone through this at different yeah. junctures in our health history, be yeah. it through diet or exercise, or just finding something that feels like it's actually making a difference mm-hmm. i've there's a lot of things we've tried for me it's often supplements yeah. that i'll read something about and take for the six or eight weeks giving it a fair shot and just don't really notice a huge change mm-hmm. i'm sure if you were deficient in something that could be a different outcome but when you tap into something that actually works for you be it a mindful practice or the way that you're eating or 
an exercise routine, that is so much more motivating to stick with it. Oh, totally. I get excited about that stuff, you know, yeah. like when, st- when you see results. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, I'm sure there, there are things that, you know, you, health-wise that you do that you don't see the results, but overall it's going gonna, it's gonna to be healthier or it's yeah. going to keep you from getting sick down the road. But, but when you do something like, like I said, with this uh, treatment that I did um, with my naturopath that w- was so drastic, it's just, it's, it's an exciting thing, mm-hmm. especially when you've also sort of, I, I could say suf- suffered o- over years. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I get excited about that stuff. Do you think earlier in your years as a musician, and I don't know your exact history, but most musicians I know, I know are probably going with this, yeah. probably a little bit hard on themselves. Yeah. Like, and I, I feel like I did it to myself. Like, Maybe I'm just, scared the stomach lining. Yeah, a little bit. just I don't know, just not living a healthy lifestyle, and mm-hmm. you know, not having a lot of money to, to buy things that were what you need at the time, and. Maybe you're up too late at sometimes party and whatever it is, but I feel like the lifestyle of a musician kind of is just naturally not good for you. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, for and, sure. Well, <laughs> I know myself. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely wore me down, and I had to figure out different things about what what works for me, and still, still figuring them out. Like, okay, this is. This is the best way to eat. This is, I got to exercise this many days a week, whatever it is. But yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people I know who just right out of school got a, got a job and kind of lived a more, more stable life. We'll say like they didn't really come across these issues. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of that gang mentality of like, you know, you're out on the road with your buddies and, yeah. and everybody's doing like whatever, whatever it may be, like eating badly or drinking too much or not yeah. getting enough sleep or what there are so many, so many things on the road that can be not great for you. Uh, I think things are changing though, at least yeah. in musicians and, and our age group. Definitely. Yeah. Um, some, some musicians just tour less just to, you know, but yeah. some people who really like to love to be on the road, so they make huge changes. Uh, and I think it makes it easier to be on the road. That's to, I mean, there's always, you know, you're away from home and, and there's always challenges, but you can make it health, a healthier way to yeah, live. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, t- I totally know what you mean. In the, in the early years, you just <laughs> yeah. go, you don't think anything can hurt Burn you. yourself out basically. Yeah. Rewinding yeah. back to the point in your life before you were pursuing this lifestyle, was that part of the appeal to you? You mean like, like be- not being unhealthy, but knowing that this life came with a bit of partying and late nights and travel and like was it was the lifestyle at all factoring into the allure of pursuing music? No, I think the music was was the thing, right? Yeah. And that was just sort of a side thing that you sort of fall into. Really, you don't even. I mean, for me at least, I didn't. I, I didn't. Uh, seek out parties or or you know but you just you meet people on the road you go to parties like uh you are the party you are the the time right (laughs) yeah Yeah. like that's the one thing i i saw on on the road is that you play whatever thursday night somewhere and 
your bunch of your friends come out and they're partying because this is the one night of the week they come out. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, oh, I can't let my friends down. Mm-hmm. Then the next night you're in a different town and yeah. a few more people come out yep. and like, ah. It's unsustainable. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't keep doing that, but, yeah. but we did. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think, uh, I would give myself a hard time if, if I saw that it was, the music was suffering because of that, I would be like, okay, something's got to change because this is the reason I'm out here. Like I know there's all these other things and, but if, if the music was starting to suffer, I would have to really clamp down on, 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 I guess certain things, but yeah. Yeah. We've always found that an important perspective to talk about because for those that aren't part of a creative industry world for their work, there can be a lot of assumption about how we might treat our own lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So hearing that even at the outset of your career, that was the priority you recognized if things were getting out of hand, I think it's an important message for people to hear that this is a profession that you've always taken seriously and which has led to the repertoire and accolades that you've achieved. Yeah, I mean, it is the reason you're out there. And I always had a lot of uh, gratitude uh, for, for being on the road. I remember... Uh, a, a few times, you know, being in the van on those really long, like in the mountains or something on those really yeah. long drives and looking out the window and, you know, everybody's sort of, you know, irritable and then, and then just flipping it and going, wow, you know, like I could be, I could be in a, at a desk job right now. I could be doing this and that. And then going, no, this is really cool. And I have to sort of, this has to be, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, it, it has to be honored, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever have a desk job to to compare or contrast that to? No. And and at this, I mean, being like, it, it, I knew that wouldn't work for me right from the beginning. Um, I think my last job was a, at a Sam the Record Man or or a, a record store. When you broke your feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's we'll that's when I did that. Dale had two broken feet, still uh, went yeah. to work. That shows yeah. your work ethic yeah. more than anything. Yeah. So let's go way back to a to a young Dale Murray. Mm-hmm. You grew up in a musical family. I did. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, multiple multiple people to look to uh, for a career in music, um, and uh, and and lots of people playing music around me yeah um when did you start yourself my dad was a a bit of a strummer like he knew yeah he knew his open chords and and could strum so like sunday afternoons he would he would show me some stuff when i was probably eight yeah but you know i wasn't i didn't really get into it until i was 12 for some reason this switch got flipped and i was like obsessed with especially guitars yeah um didn't, and not even really knowing much about electric guitar, you know. I knew a lot. There were always acoustic guitars around, but for some reason, it was electric guitar, and I was like, "Okay, need to. I need to know about this." And I, and um, yeah. So, so I basically begged my parents for a guitar at yeah. Christmas, and and uh, and I got one. Do you remember what it was? What kind it was? Yeah, yeah, I do. It was a Strat copy. It was a Profile. Uh, just a music stop um, yeah. job, uh, but it did it. It worked for me, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So at, and then then it would that was all I could think about after yeah. that. Yeah. 
What were you listening to at the time? What was inspiring you? At the time, like, it, I mean, I guess anything that that had guitar in it, I was, whatever it was, like, uh, I would, it, it would, like, perk my ear up. Yeah. And be like, okay, I, I, think, I think that's an electric guitar, and I, and I know I like that sound, so, and that's what I want to do. But yeah. uh, I, I always sort of listened to music on different levels, like, I, I I could listen to, um, you know, like Willie Nelson or something that my dad had playing in the car, and just be like, oh, this is good music. This is this is good songwriting yeah. and stuff. But then when I started getting into guitar, then I was look, looking out for, for you know, something that had it prominently featured. Yeah. You know, more than Willie did. <laughs> How do you both define good music? Is it good to you? Is it how it makes you feel? Is there something technical about it? What what brings you to that? Yeah, I mean, I obviously it's subjective. Uh, I that's a good question because I, I mean, I think that uh, there's definitely different levels to listen to music, right? Like yeah. that you can listen to production, you can listen to the how proficient the players are. Uh, songwriting lyrics, uh, just so many w- way, and and some some albums have some of those elements and not others, and yeah. it's uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know if there's a good or or bad. I what think you- it's just what resonates with you, like mm-hmm. as both of us, we do production and stuff. So I I find it hard to listen to a song and not analyze every part of it like you're kind of describing there Dale. But can like, you listen to a song and that maybe doesn't it's not up to snuff on on that level but still enjoy? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But I think it's just the natural way when I first hear a song is if it's an awesome song, yeah, I don't care about anything. Yeah. But I am listening like if especially for the things I like, oh, how'd they get that drum sound? Yeah. Or like that guitar tone is awesome. Yeah. And it could be a shitty song and I could also really like the production on it. Is there something that you can't overlook in it? You don't know what I mean? Like it that Um it, I like being able to make out and hear vocals. Mm-hmm. A lot of so if it's buried and you can't understand what they're saying, maybe that's not it. Won't be, for but you. it's still like it's still gonna have like an amazing groove or something. Yeah, and, but I, I definitely want to hear the lyrics, even though most of the time, even in songs that I know, I sing the wrong wrong lyrics to them. Yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I want to have the option to be able to hear what's being said. There. Sure, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. It, it's like you said, a hundred percent subjective mm-hmm. and whatever influenced me growing up the records my dad had the subscription to columbia house all these little things would have created this unique person like all the things in your life would have created you and Kristen, the same for you so yes i agree all art is subjective completely agree with that that's probably common but it's not maybe as common that we question how we arrive at this conclusion of Mm. why we as individuals think something is good or bad yeah and I think, well, there has to be some type of proficiency. Like you have to be a talented artist. Like you, like if you're going to go sing a bunch of wrong notes and hit wrong notes in the guitar, it's probably not going to be awesome. Like mm-hmm. you have to be proficient at what you're doing. You have to have some, in my eyes, in terms of writing a song lyrically, uh, just some life experience behind you so you can 
create something that other humans can relate to. Uh, if it's a band, like you want to have that cohesive unit where they know how to play together and play off each other. And, and again, I think it just comes down to if it just resonates with you in some way. Like mm-hmm. I, uh, years and years ago when I was little, I came across, uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, mm-hmm. his song, The Message. And that wasn't at all the style of music I listened to, but I just, I loved that song for some reason. And like two years ago, I heard a song that was, uh, that sampled that song by Coy LeRae, like this young rap pop star from somewhere in the States, I think. And normally, like if anyone asks, oh, do you think Mike would like that song? And the answer would probably be no, but I just love that Grandmaster and Flash song. Yeah. So something in that song, like, oh, I just, I have to like this song just because of the the groove in it and it's it's the exact same music just with j- different lyrics mm-hmm. um so from my past that made me like that version of that song mm-hmm. so so I, I think sometimes you can't really explain why no. why you like a song <laughs> you like what just, you like yeah 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 but you would have grown up dale with musical influences your in your life we know your aunt Anne mm-hmm. Anne Murray the yep. beloved Nova Scotia singer would have been part of I imagine your introduction or exposure to, to music so did you feel that that was an influence or at a young age you thought well this is what successful music sounds like or how did that roll into the whole psychology behind it yeah uh, um I think I think it was a big thing uh, in getting into music as a as a career because I don't think a, a lot of families don't have uh, Anne Murray. As their <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and a, a su- very successful yeah. uh, uh, weight, like a something to follow. You know, like I, yeah. I, I could see, I could, I, I could see her career, and you know, growing up I, when I was born, she had already started her career and was very successful but only for a few years so i you know grew up sort of following her progression and and there's a lot of stuff obviously i don't i don't didn't know about her career her ups and downs and stuff like that but but there was that thing that says that was she was right there and i and to me that said i I could do this too like she's she's do it she's she's just a person yeah there's someone tangible in your life yeah Yeah, it was no real mystery about it and now the further i get into it i'm like oh well, how the hell did she do that <laughs> uh, there is more mystery now yeah. than than back then but but that, that was definitely like a uh, uh and also i should say like having a supportive parents because they also could see well yeah well look she, she did it and you know i had a, an, another uncle who would sing with with ann and had his own career and then i had a cousin who was in a in a band yeah. uh, that they went gold in Canada oh, nice. and then another cousin who had a record co- uh, contract. And so there was a lot of, of that going on. And so it, it just seemed like, okay, well, they're doing it and I can do it too. And there were, and, and my parents were never like, Oh, you know, maybe you should try doing this. But they, they could see how much I loved it, but they could also see, Oh, it's, it's plausible. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Having someone in your family that's, kind of had had that path and how everyone understands it mm-hmm. just because we're from nova scotia small town nova scotia and and i've had very supportive parents but 
they didn't ever really understand it. Like what my dad just always like would ask, like my dad was always at shows and helping us out and driving us to gigs. And anytime there was someone in the industry around, he's like, you think they can make it? They got a shot at it. And he was just like, like yelling at people. The boy's got a shot or what? A shot. What does yeah. that even mean? <laughs> yeah. What does that even mean? But, uh, and I, I very, feel very fortunate to have that support, but they had no idea what was possible or is possible. And like I say now, like we're after being it in so long, like how do you still get to that level? Like. Yeah, we talked well, about this as recently as last night, just how, yeah. how at least from the outside, it appeared that there used to be a formula or a step-by-step. Mm-hmm. Everything from this is how you release an album and how many songs should be on a CD and how long those songs should be. And you have an agent and you have a booking agent and everything just seemed very, there's a recipe to follow. Yeah. And now it's as though the industry has been completely blown up. And I don't know if there's rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, well, even Anne herself said to me, like, I, she said, I couldn't do this. In this day and age, mm. I, I don't think I could have done it. I don't think uh, I would know how to do it. I yeah. wouldn't know how to begin a career. Uh, not, I mean, maybe she, I don't know if she did back then or not, but at least she had people that goes, this is the first step you take. This is the second step you take. And then from that, we, you know, like, but there's nothing like that nowadays. It doesn't seem like. What changed? Probably the internet. Yeah, yeah. The it internet changed everything. Yeah, I mean, in, in good some good ways, some some yeah. not so good ways. But uh, yeah, like it. I mean, and even if you look at it, you know, from we're talking about those steps that you you know those were only set down what in like the fifties maybe. Mm. And only followed up until the two two thousands. Mm-hmm. So like, you're looking at fi- only fifty years of like, well, this is how it's always been, but it's mm. it's yeah. Not, yeah yeah good point yeah. But uh, uh, I you know there's we've got maybe to try to figure out a new set of steps, but I don't know if that can happen. Things change so quickly yeah. nowadays. So I feel like we have more options to be ourselves. Like I can cra- craft the the career as a musician that I want. And maybe that's playing some shows, doing some work in the studio, doing this, this, Mm -hmm. and this. And I feel like if we can really lean into what works for us individually, we can craft something that is amazing. It's just, you have to put the time and energy in to figure that out. And Mm -hmm. it's confusing. And again, last night we talked with this, Kristen, how, like, how do you know where to focus your energy? Like, you work in studios doing production and recording and mixing, like, but you're also a touring musician and a guitar player. Do you try to be touring more? Do you try to be producing more? Or do you just kind of follow the breadcrumbs, whatever's out there? <laughs> I think a good rule of thumb is to follow what, what you love, yeah. first of all. Like, if it's not really... Uh, when you follow what you what you love, you don't really need a, a plan. Like to start a studio, I didn't I didn't think about okay to do this, and then I can pull be pulling like fifty grand a year doing this. Yeah. And it, like I didn't, it was like I want this so I because I love doing this and I'm interested in it. Yeah. And then and then things happen, you know, like uh, um, you know, it all doesn't always work out the way you want to, but it's at least it's 
something that you can grab onto. I yeah. love this, so I'm going to follow it, you know? Uh, what else do you have, really? Like, there's no, there's nothing that says anything's going to work out for you, mm -hmm. so you might as well go with what, what you love. Yeah. Is what you love now different than when you started out working in music? I don't think so. Mm. I think it's, it's all, there's always been sort of the, the same enthusiasm for, now, now I do different things now than, than I did back then. Like the, uh, the engineering and pr production didn't come till way into it, but that whole time that I was, you know, honing my, a, a different craft, maybe like instrumentally or songwriting or whatever it was, I was still in like, you know, being in studios and trying to pick up as much, not knowing that I would do it to, for myself, but just being interested in it and asking questions. And, uh, and that just sort of culminates into, oh, I could, now I've, I've got to get a computer and, and a couple of mics and I can then do this and, and then just go from there. So I'm not a much of a planner. <laughs> I just sort of like just like, like Christina. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, no. She takes care of that for both of you, perhaps. And yeah, for certain things, it's it's a it's a good thing to have a planner around, and uh, for some things, it's just to go with the flow is is a better approach. Hi, friends of Mike and Kristen. My name is Nancy Regan, and it's a pleasure and privilege to be a sponsor of this podcast because I love the way these two creators show up. I spent a big chunk of my life on TV, projecting an air of confidence to an audience of more than a quarter million people. The spotlight lit me up, but the truth is, for most of that time, I didn't feel my own light. I was wearing a social mask to show the world I had it all together, even when I felt close to falling apart. The fear of failure haunted me because I didn't want anyone to know the secret I harbored, that I was not enough. Not smart enough, not talented enough, just not enough. The good news is I've left that lens behind. I traded in my inner imposter for a life of liberating authenticity. It hasn't been an easy path, but man, is it worth it. I share my story with a whopping dose of vulnerability in my book From Showing Off to Showing Up. As I see it, showing off is living a life according to the expectations of others, craving approval. Showing up is, here I am, take me or leave me. And the beautiful, gratifying, and deeply comforting result is that I've heard from hundreds of readers who say they see themselves in my story. If something about this resonates with you, come along for the journey. From Showing Off to Showing Up is available in paperback, ebook and now audiobook read by me of course i promise i'll show up will you it sounds like for you that music has always just been the focal point like the music yeah i think so i yeah. think so i mean there's if you're in it for other reasons there's probably better ways to get to those uh, yeah. things than through music you know yeah. Uh, but I, I just think like when you're so, so focused on other people's music or, or something that I'm trying to write, like it just, you just have to follow that, you know, yeah. uh, I, I can't think of any other way that I, I could live really. Uh, and if I had to do other things, I would obviously, but that would always still be there. It, like mm -hmm. it in my focus. 
and the, the the love of music has been your your guiding light. That's the big thing. Yeah, yeah that's that's the uh, the only thing. Yeah, yeah. I have a certain level of envy for people that recognize that in themselves, in particular at a young age. So you talked about getting a guitar at just twelve. Yeah, and 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 recognizing even then, this is something that is meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. I'm in my forties and still feel like I kind of have to recalibrate every once in a while and. Mm bring my like anchor myself back into my why Mm -hmm. and it's really for me fascinating to hear someone who not only knows that about themselves but it's been such a constant in your life Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's uh i I mean could i be more successful in something else if i had to put all that energy into something else i don't know but would i be happier probably not yeah um yeah, the, it, it it is it, like when I look back at you know when I said that that switch, like it really was a switch. It was like I went from you know casually listening to music to being obsessed with it. And mm-hmm. and how do you ignore that? You 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 don't. You you just have to. Yeah. And where did it go from there? You get that electric guitar. Do mm-hmm. you start a band? Yeah, I mean you you seek out people, other people who who can play, and you learn from them. Yeah. Uh, you start writing your own stuff. It was just always such a thrill. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the excitement of learning a new song or writing a song. And, and then, and, and I just actually thought about this, uh, recently that I guess the, re- I, I said that the recording thing came later, but I was always, my dad had, had real to real tapes that I would, oh, yeah. you know, and, and, but even before that, I remember like taking a, a ghetto blaster and recording something to it and then taking another ghetto blaster and, yeah. and playing that and playing along to it and actually, you know, doing multi-track recording and stuff, yeah. but just in the only way that I knew how, cause I didn't know any other, other, whether we didn't have computers. Yeah. So that was just a, and, and just getting so excited about being able to do that. And, um, yeah, it, there was always the excitement, uh, there. I remember doing that exact same thing with the the, the ghetto blaster. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I had really bad timing. Just don't know what I'm doing. And then I'm trying to play back with to what I what I just recorded and being really hard. I'm like, how do you get better at this? And then twelve years later, I found out what a metronome was. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I I practiced with a metronome pretty early on. So you had the inside scoop, and yeah. probably knew what a metronome was. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have anyone to tell me. You yeah. didn't have an aunt Anne. No, oh, she yeah, did. Right. She, you know what? She never really gave me too much, uh, like intel in, into yeah, the, into yeah. me, like she's. I think she was always supportive and loved and her kids play and we, I play, I jammed with, with her kids and yeah. I think she loved that, but there was never, I'd really have to push her to give any stories or, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, or any advice. Like, like I think she was, she was just like, well, he's going to, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it and he's going to do it on his own terms. Yeah. But I, I think she, if I specifically asked her, she would maybe give me advice, but um, There's yeah, something a- to be said about not being overly influenced, I imagine. As an artist, too, we have so much exposure to not only other people's creative work, but then how they promote it or how they package it and brand it. And all of these things can almost get overwhelming and you get lost in, well, what's what's my style? What do I believe in? What's, quote, good music? 
all of these things start yeah. to become influenced. Yeah, not every every way works for for everybody. You know, like I'm a I'm a very much a um, a tactile learner, and and you can't I, I can't learn so much. I have to do it to 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 really be able to consolidate information and and a skill. Like I have to learn myself, and I know other people are like uh, they have to be taught or or maybe in conjunction with other things but but uh i was never i didn't learn too much from other people you know i I could ask if i was really stuck on something Mm -hmm. but uh but it was a lot of trial and error i'm a trial and error learner i guess um but that yeah that's not for everybody but it works for me what was your first serious band serious band like something a band that was that was actually out there doing stuff well yeah you're like i think we can do something with this yeah well i've been in i was in a couple bands in high school um and we would you know play all ages shows and and stuff like that you know get get the the uh waivers signed by your parents so you go and play in the in the clubs and back then they you could have those waivers signed but your parents didn't have to be there oh which was which was cool i guess i don't think they'd want to be hanging out at the double deuce road roadhouse uh <laughs> was that in halifax that, that was that in where, yeah that, yeah that was early okay. that was like uh early 90s i think mm-hmm. but, um yeah so we would we would play those um but the first one that i was like oh this is like sort of taking off it was uh, a band called booming airplanes and it was um myself ruth minikin yeah um serge sampson yeah and a guy named uh, Mark Savory. And uh, we just sort of thought we were doing the same thing as all the other, uh, you know, high school bands that, that we were doing, like weekly weekly uh, practices and stuff like that. But then all of a sudden we started getting, you know, bigger shows, like not yeah. all ages shows and not like, uh, you know, open mic Tuesdays and or whatever it was, you know, we were playing at Dalhousie and opening up for Stephen Fearing or, or you know, uh, bigger shows where yeah. there's actual, you know, adults in the audience <laughs> and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so that, and, and then, and then making a record, you know, that, yeah. and that was like another thing that was like validated, like, oh, we're actually a band and we're doing something. Uh, and then beyond that it was like okay you do it this was sort we at that time sort of following those steps that I, that we were talking about that don't happen anymore but you know mm-hmm. you get good at 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 playing together you make a record mm-hmm. you get a record deal you go on tour we were fo- we've I've followed those steps yeah. to the t at, you know to a certain point and then things sort of fell apart and and the steps stopped happening but uh, it was a good little run at that time for like maybe I was 18 until I was 21 or yeah. 22, I think. Um, and, uh, but that, that, that band I would say is the, uh, is the re- the first like real band that I was in. And were, were the Guthrie's after that? Or? The Guthrie's were, came sort of out of the ashes of, yeah. of that mm-hmm. because Ruth Minikin, yeah. who was in Booming Airplanes, came along. Uh, I started that that band with Ruth. Yeah. That was supposed to be um, a a project that we both wrote for and we would just get our friends to come in and play. But it yeah. sort of sort of became a community almost yeah. because we brought in Serge again, uh, my brother, Tim Jim Baker, who who played with uh, Matt Mays for years, yeah. and had Baker dozen Baker's dozen right now. Yeah. Um. And uh, 
Ruth's brother Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> and like it just everybody would just come over and and then eventually Matt Mays would uh who was, you know, coming into the record store I was working at and we started talking and realized that we were like the same music and yeah. and he sort of like got in there somehow yeah. and um yeah, so that uh that all just came together really organically. Members left, some came in, some left, but yeah. uh, um yeah, that but that was at a sort of a slightly a few years later than the booming airplane. So those steps that we were talking about weren't weren't the same at at that point, yeah. you know, in times so things started to change. And uh, but we did a lot of touring, made a couple records yeah. and yeah, it was those were good times. <laughs> There's some the Guthrie's are like a legendary Halifax band. We were one of the probably first to do like that Americana thing yeah. in uh in definitely in Atlantic Canada. Yeah. Um maybe Al Tuck was was doing a, some of that kind of thing before us, but um but yeah, we we sort of opened the door for that and then you saw you saw like that a thousand yeah. <laughs> Americana country country band. You still see a lot of like sort of country bands in in Halifax now and and I'm not talking about like Nashville country. I'm like, you yeah. know, like sort of dirty country and stuff. But um yeah, we uh we were just doing what we like like to do and yeah. and it opened the doors for other people. So yeah, at, it was cool. At that time were you in pursuit of anything in particular? Did you have a, a goal in mind? Like a personal goal or as a group? More as a group. So was it about we want to sell X number of records or we uh, want to play this festival? Or how did you know if you were... Take over the world. Yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, maybe. I think if for <laughs> you'd have to ask the different uh, members of the band. Uh, I think maybe other people had different agendas. Uh, um, for me, it was always just make the music and see where it, where it takes us and I had no real expectations uh at the time because I had already been through this thing with booming airplanes where we were on a major label and that wasn't so great uh and sort of was the demise of the band so I wasn't really looking for that because mm. I knew that wasn't the the uh the end goal or or what we were striving for we wanted definitely knew we wanted to make good records and be on the road and tour and and we did that um i think with that band there were probably too many songwriters and you know mm. there were mm. what four or five songwriters at one point in that band and it's a lot of cooks in the kitchen a, yeah yeah and and we were also close we all lived together we had a house in dartmouth um under the bridge and uh all living there touring together like it was just a little too much i think mm -hmm. but but uh, yeah, like for me, no real end goal. Like I wanted to get better personally, wanted to get better as a group and uh, and just learn, learn stuff. And you're surviving off just music. At that point? Yeah. No, we all had day jobs. Yeah. I had a, I was working at a record store at that, at that time um, just to, you know, to make ends meet, but did you have broken ankles at the time? <laughs> no, <laughs> this is at after. that point. Yeah, yeah. no, I uh, that, that's after. Yeah, because I then I that because around that time I started playing pedal steel guitar, uh, mm -hmm. which you know sort of informed that the you know the direction that we were going to go with in that that more alt country Americana direction. So I was learning 
that instrument and learning that instrument was the thing that sort of broke open uh everything for me like everything yeah. that happened just just because uh, at that time i think i could name two other pedal steel players in canada mm-hmm. so once i got to a certain level and i wasn't the best by any means but once i got to a certain level there wasn't anybody else around so mm-hmm. i was getting a lot of work at that yeah. time I was able to quit my job and uh and then really focus in on on being a musician and not have to have to do anything else so you became essentially a hired gun at this point i was a session musician yeah. as i still am uh and and a hired gun like a a side person um and spent like you know a majority of the year on the road or in in studios yeah um yeah yeah just went with it i want to ask both of you and this is a question coming from pedal steel and not, you know, that not being something that everybody does. Mm-hmm. How mindful are you when you're creating something that you want to be different? Is that something that you think about that creative means different than other people? Or are, were you just kind of following your authentic gut in this one? I think <laughs> for me, it's it's almost been a hindrance that I really wanted to d- want to do something different than somebody else. If somebody else had has done that before, I want to at least try to do that a different way or just do it completely differently. Uh yeah, I, but I think that's that's hurt me in the in in the long run. Like I think there's are ways of being original but not have to reinvent the wheel, mm. you know, uh because there are proven ways of, of doing certain things or, or a way of sounding that, uh, and it's hard to, to, to make something like truly original as well. Um, it's a lot more effort and, uh, but, uh, yeah. What, what do you think? I think I like to believe that I'm unique and original in what I do, but I know at the end of the day that I ultimately am a product of my influences and I'll try to create things that I think sound unique, but somewhere in there, there's probably these things seeping seeping forward that are becoming a part of the sound. Mm-hmm. And, and all those different influences together can create something uniquely mm-hmm. me. But I know it's... Like I play guitar and sing like how I can't be that much different than (laughs) every other million people out there who play guitar and sing, but I can add my own little unique parts to it. And my voice doesn't sound exactly like anyone's. My songwriting's not exactly like anyone else's. And I think when you put it all together, you are you, but yeah, I don't, I try to go out of your way though. Like is, 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 is there something that, you know, say you, you were putting down a guitar part and it yeah. was reminiscent of something else. Would you go out of your way to make sure you didn't do that? Or would you go with it um, if it was the best thing for that song? I th- I think uh, it's, it's true. I wouldn't want to copy anyone. Yeah. Like I, and a, a song in our last album, we realized afterwards sounded a lot like another song mm-hmm. and we we came upon this essentially moral dilemma, like what or what do we do? Even a legal one, like mm-hmm. are we so much like this song that we have to legally 
give uh, rights to the, the, the original songwriters. Mm-hmm. And we, we started going about it in a legal way and realized there's so many different songwriters, so many publishers, so many different people involved that for them to all come together and say to us, yeah, that song sounds too much like this other song. It would mm-hmm. never happen. Like there's just so many moving parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, legally, obviously there's, there's things you have to adhere to. Like you can't, you can't rip people off. And but. and one is a French dance pop song. Oh. And one is a rock song. So they, they are very different, but there's just, there was one riff that was, was very similar to this. Not exactly the same. Okay. I can play it for you after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the judge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, and most of the time, like, if I, if I came up with a riff, like, oh, that's the same riff from this other song, I would change it because I don't want to rip off someone off. Like, this happened unintentionally, mm. like, with his other song. Yeah. That uh, sounded like <laughs> the French pop song. Yeah. Uh, so, when I think. I think of the town heroes, I think French pop. French pop, pop. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know what's funny that that you say you brought up the pedal steel and being original and stuff because th- this is one of the things that uh, I that sort of you know after playing for a few years that sort of turned me off from pedal steel is that a lot of pedal steel players are the same they use the same because of the mm. way it's 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 a very mechanical instrument so there are things on it that m- sort of uh, unless you really try hard you're going to play the same riffs. And a lot of people play with the same tone, and it, so it's, it's sort of one of those things about the instrument that uh, that having that thing in my head that's like oh, it can't sound like anybody else, but this instrument, and like it, it took me a while to get over over that. And I've have tried to do uh, something different with with the instrument, but um, out of a like compared to guitar or something like that where there's a lot of different tones and stuff yeah. like steel generally sounds the same yeah. especially in Nashville um so it is an instrument if it it's an, it is an instrument if you're somebody who <laughs> does want to try to do something different with it is it is a little bit harder actually what about guitar pedals though can you throw it through some pedals you, you can but you some need? just don't sound they just don't it doesn't sound yeah. great like you can try uh, i've tried overdrive and stuff like that and and sometimes it works sometimes it's just you can't make it fit in yeah. into a song it's just uh it's just the way that the instrument is you know yeah. um but yeah yeah it's similar in, in painting. We're taught to replicate other works of art, to learn technique and to learn color mixing. So I understand we it's impossible not to be influenced by another art form. But what I often find is that there's pressure to find your own unique voice. And yeah. Well, that's the, you said learn. Like, I, I agree with that. Like, you sort of do have to copy people to learn something. If you're talking about creating something, especially creating something new, then uh, maybe you throw all of that out. But I do think in the learning process, there is something to be said about um, tr- maybe maybe trying to copy something exactly, just to learn from that. How did they do that? How did, and, and learning that can maybe get you to that next level of, mm-hmm. like, this is something new from, from me. Um, yeah. For musicians, I think... For young musicians, I think it's really good to to play some covers or play in a cover band because you have to listen. Okay, this is how this song goes. You're learning about song arrangements. 
the different parts in the song. You really to to replicate the exact parts or something pretty close. Yeah. Like you have to like up your your craft, your your technical abilities. Um, mm-hmm. you just you you learn so much about crafting a song while you're learning other people's songs. I completely agree with that, and I was so against it for so long. <laughs> it's just I just thought, oh no, we've it's already they've already made this. Why would mm-hmm. I make that? It why would I make that again? Even if it was in a live setting, like yeah. uh, I don't think I think that way anymore. Like I yeah. really do think there you can learn a lot, um, and. Uh, you have to be careful as well with that, you know, because you can end up um, sort of incorporating things into your own vocabulary musically yeah. that you don't even realize anymore that is somebody else's. Yeah. You know, you think it's yours, but it, you know. Um, but uh, my uh, cousin uh, James, he sings in a a band that we have, and it's kind of like a started off as kind of a joke band, a joke country band where you just write funny country songs. And uh, he came to us one day with, oh, boys, I wrote an awesome song. <laughs> and he just, he took the exact melody from uh, Friends in Low Places yes. by Garth Brooks and just changed the lyrics. <laughs> and he's like, when the pillow talking turns to pillow fighting <laughs> and there ain't a thing that I'm ever writing. And we started dying laughing, like, yeah, that's hilarious. He's like, what do you mean? Like, like, well, it's just friends in low places, but you change the the words about to be about pillow talking and getting in a fight. He's like, oh, no, I just came up with this. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then once he clued in, he started to laugh, but it was, it was just... Yeah, we 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 can do sure, that. Sure, it's inevitable. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Uh, there's so much has been done. That yeah. You can't get away. But you know, you can't. It, once you discover that, it's hard to. I mean, some people have gone to court. Uh, yeah. Over stuff like that. That. What was the big one? Sam Smith and Tom Petty recently. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Uh, I think they ended up settling out of court. Maybe. But... Uh, yeah. Or either. I don't know. Uh, yeah. They either that or or they gave Tom Petty the songwriting uh, credits. Yeah. Possibly that that happened with Katie Lang and the Rolling Stones. Uh, George Harrison. Yeah. And I can't uh, can't remember which song it was, but yeah, like it happens. And yeah. and whether it's it's uh, you know intentional or not, yeah. you gotta. Yeah. I think most of the time it's probably not. Like intentional, yeah, yeah. not intentional. You can sort of tell when it is, like, uh, and and when it's not, it's uh, but it is actually is a a, a rip off of a song. Yeah. Like there, you know, there there are telltale signs that like they don't know that this is. Usually, you can tell by what the the band's hairstyles are if they're ripping someone <laughs> off or not exactly yeah. like a french pop star it's probably yeah. not your goal here yeah. but you were wearing a you're wearing a beret and a yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> i shirt. am a quarter acadian so in your role as a producer how what are you what is your trained ear looking for so you would likely be the person to pick up on oh i've heard this melody before mm-hmm. or this isn't something I'm or, like, are you pushing your clients? What is your, how do you see your role? Um, and just in that case, it, it, like if, if something comes up and I'm like, that's a little too close. Or, I guess you know, more generally speaking, I just use that as an example of something that maybe well, it, you'd be more in tune with. 
Yeah, I, I think so. and that does come up for mm-hmm. sure. Even in 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 this, uh, I'm making a record now, coming to the end of it, and at at, at some point, you know, something comes up, and I'm like, ooh, that's super close. Like when when the vibe of the song is the same maybe, or close to something, and then you put in like something melodically that's even closer. Mm. But what people don't know is that there's a lot of way, like just arrange, rearrange a couple things and, and then it's, it's something completely new. Mm. Um, Especially uh, with a vocal melody too. You can just change one note that goes up. If you change that to go down, then go up, it would change it drastically yeah. or something. Right? Yeah, for sure. Like there's and or or the way it sounds, uh, any melody really. Like you change two notes and it, yeah. it's not the melody anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, like that. That is something that I'm considering uh, when I'm listening and making up parts or listening to other people make up parts. It's something I, I consider for sure. Uh, there's just so much to consider when yeah. you're producing a record, though. Mm-hmm. So. And that's just a culmination of your time living in the shoes of the person whose music you're recording. Is that fair? You do. Yeah, you have to sort of put yourself in 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 their head. And, uh, you know, I do, like, there are producers who, when you go to them, you sound like them. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's really great. Uh, I like to sound more like the people that I'm producing. Um, I'm sure that I do have a sound, but... Uh, I think uh, I would rather like sort of mesh into what they're doing and help them get uh, what they're trying to get out out of them. Um, yeah, I've but, never uh, heard it talked about that way before, mm. but that makes perfect sense. Somebody might come to you wanting your quote quote your sound, but that you're really tuning into the band sound. I yeah, love that. I had I had somebody uh, get a hold of me lately and 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 say that you know they've they listen to like a lot of stuff that I that I did they can see a, a through line of those things but could see the individual uh styles of each each person uh come shining through that my production which is that's what I want I don't want my production to be you know the sheen on it mm-hmm. I want their thing to come through and my production just is sort of amalgamates in into that you know um I don't know how you feel about like yeah very similar and and I know if I'm especially if I'm playing on it and singing on it and then mixing it like yeah like yeah. that's there's only so many things I can do that I I am inevitably gonna put my sound on there for sure but yeah you definitely want the artist's voice whether literally yeah. or figuratively yeah. to 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 shine through mm-hmm. and to be the the focal point of it all. I want to ask you about your wife, of yes. course, our, our good friend, Christina Martin, who I am also a little bit in love with. So I'll just like <laughs> set the record straight here. Uh, where did where did the two of you meet? Let's start there. Um, we met uh, we met in the studio um, at Charles Austin studio, at the mullet at the time. Uh, and, uh, and it just uh, I think at the time I had just been on the road for eight months. I was came home. I knew Matt Mays uh, was going to be in the studio. He had called me and said, I'm going to be in there. Just drop by. I haven't see, hadn't seen him in a while. And uh, so I did. And he had also asked Christina co- to come in and sing some back, uh, backups on on uh, his demos that he was making. And uh, yeah, we just, we met there. 
we hung out all night long with with Matt and uh, I think Adam Baldwin was there and a couple other so people. So Matt's a matchmaker. We didn't un, Matt, unintentional matchmaker. I, actually, Matt really does have a like. He just I, I know he he really loves people and and getting people together. And I think I, I think he really enjoys when his favorite people mm-hmm. come together. I, I've seen that with with him before. Um, Although I don't know how well he knew Christina at the time, but I think they, but he definitely, he obviously knew her better than, than I did. Um, so yeah, that, that's where we met. And, and then, then it was like a couple of years of me going away. And when we came home, maybe she was at playing or, or, uh, at a, at a, somebody else's show and we would always gravitate to each other and usually stay with each other for the rest of the night. Then we started working together. Actually, that first night that we met, she had asked me to produce her, her, uh, a record that she wanted to be, to do with, um, Charles Austin was going to engineer it. And she asked me to produce. And I said, yes, not ever having produced anybody else's music before I produced my own record. Um, and also, I think back to it, like Matt Mays was there, Gordy Sampson was there that night, Charles Austin. There's all these great producers, and she asked <laughs> asked me. <laughs> I was like, so I said, "That's yeah. awesome." Yeah, and so we yeah we started working together then, and we have ever since. That was 2007. What's that? 15 15 years ago. You got a big anniversary coming up then. Yeah. Were you, did you start dating and then working together? Or no, were, it was working first. Yeah. Um, working, we did the, the whole record, uh, her second record, Two Hearts, we did. And uh, then started doing some shows. Uh, there was, at first it was uh, myself, Christina and Adam Baldwin. And then, then it was just the two of us and we went on the road. And um, yeah, then that developed into a relationship, but it was work mm-hmm. we worked first. Yeah, it was what music. were you what were you drawn to in in her art? What did you love about her music? Uh, at at that time, I I mean, I hadn't even really seen her. I think she played some songs um, at the uh, at back at her apartment. We all, all at the end of the night had gone back, and we were all just passing the guitar around and stuff. And um, I think I noticed her voice first before anything else um just the the quality in her voice and often that that is the first thing that i i notice in in music mm-hmm. it's a, like a tone or something different you know mm-hmm. and i think i didn't hadn't heard that little like a little bit of rasp like that that nice tone um and then once i started working on the record that's when i was like like her aesthetic opened up like i was like oh I, I see where she's coming from here and, and what, this is what I can bring to it. Um, but yeah, ultimately it was like, it was her voice that, that, uh, that first caught my ear. Yeah. We don't know a lot of other professional artists that work together mm. and would love to hear just your take on what it's like to be a married couple. And not only are you, probably working at home together but you're working on projects together similar to mike and i Mm. we have a lot of our independent work as well but there's a lot of collaboration there so does that ever do you feel like that helps or hinders your process the fact that we that you're married married. (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean i've we we've we've talked about this over the years um i think you just get it into a dynamic of of like you know the 
because, you know, we we started out this whole trip uh, working together, you know, mm-hmm. and, and things bloom from that. But, um, yeah, it's it's almost better not to think about it too, too much. But, uh, yeah, we we definitely have our own strong points that we bring to to uh, what we do together. Uh, and we both trust each other's judgment on things. Like she'll ask me, you know, things that maybe I'm not even like, I think you've got this under control completely. Why do you need my, but she'll always touch base with me. I'm the same with her. Um, I think we just have a, like a really good dynamic and, and, and that doesn't mean that we always agree on everything that we do musically or, or even how we approach everything else we do, you know? Uh, but we both, we check in with each other mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, make sure that it's not like maybe it's a middle ground or, or whatever it is, but I don't know. We've just made it work over the, over the years. It just seems so normal to me now. Like it's, it's just the way that it, it is. Uh, were you always good to communicate? Is that something you had to develop? There was a, a, a period of developing that, yeah. I think. Maybe not so much for Christina, but maybe maybe myself. And I think that was more sort of on the relationship end of things, more than the professional side. I think we were all, we've really, you know, made that work right off the bat, I think. But uh, the relationship side, we, we had to work on. And, mm-hmm. and especially myself, I'm like, you know, it took me a while to open up enough to to and share stuff uh, you know with her and and once i started doing that she was she was sort of more open and and herself and things started to work better but uh yeah no it, it, that took me a while <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I say this only as an observation and it may not feel this way for the two of you but i've always seen you as somebody who doesn't put a lot of weight in the spotlight being like you don't seem like somebody that needs to be the center of attention or flashy and and nor does Christina but she being the the front woman for often your performances maybe takes on that role just more organically mm-hmm. but it it's just something about you and I I don't even know if there's a question but it's really just more of an observation of you in that you're very comfortable just playing your role and showing up as a professional and you, you don't seem like somebody who needs the limelight. Do you, is that yeah, true? No, no that, that's a good observation. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, no, that that's totally true. Um, I like to be part of something uh, and, and, and whether it's a big part or a small part or whatever it is, I, I really like to be part of something and I like to see and help make whether it's, whether it comes from me or comes from someone else, I love to help other people um, make what they conjure up come into this world. You know, I, I just love that. And I don't need, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't need that spotlight. I don't need to, for, you know, somebody who's listening to a record to to be like, oh, this is a Dale Murray record. Because, like, 99% of the time that doesn't happen. Like 1% of the time someone goes, Oh, this is another Dale Murray record and, and get into it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm totally fine. And, and, and I've, I've 
I sort of came up when I started doing the session musician stuff, I realized pretty quick, it's like, this is their show. And this may, may not be the way that I would do a show. Um, but I can get on board with what they're doing because it's their thing. Um, and I, I don't want to take anything away from it. You know, if, if I was trying to show off and stuff, I'd be taking away from it and not adding to it, you know? Um, and I want to be adding, I want it to help. You know? You're enhancing other people's visions. That's, that's what I hope to do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's worked over the years. Yeah. And, and I, like I said, I, I don't need, I don't need the recognition for that. Um, I just, well, you're getting it right now, Dale. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> well, it's, a it, it's like the dream. It, people dream of having that person play that role in their life, be it music or relationship or anything. It's, it's very humbling and, and really quite beautiful and unique to have somebody that just, you, you don't need that. Especially in our world, we often feel forced to promote ourselves. It, mm. it's almost at nauseum at times. I feel that way. Yeah, like I can't do that. So sick of my own face right now. <laughs> but you just have a really soft. There's a softness about you behind mm. the scenes that you you're doing exactly that. As Mike said, you're just enhancing what's already there to be enhanced. I don't. I don't think people can quite understand it, and and I don't know if that's. Uh, yeah, I I think they have a they're they're always like oh why isn't Dale's photo on the poster or why isn't Dale's name on the poster or like you know or why doesn't he talk more in the show and it's just like it's because it's not it's not about it's not about me once my name is on the poster then it's about me and then it's something different um, but uh, yeah that I just, people just can't seem to get that get around that for some reason I remember. When I used to play sports in high school, like not everyone understood what their role was mm. on a team and you wouldn't, those teams never had success. But when you had a team where people like, okay, I'm not the star in this team. My job is to whatever, do, do the, do the dirty yeah. work, whatever it is. Not saying you're doing the dirty work there, Dale, <laughs> but just when you understand what your role is and sometimes your role is to be the superstar and to friggin' rock a solo that blows everyone's minds or whatever, mm -hmm. but knowing what a, your role is in a particular dynamic, mm -hmm. I think is the key to bringing groups when there's a group of people, if you don't understand your role, you're never going to have success. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's just knowing your, yourself and your strong yeah. points and stuff. Like I can, I can name a million things that Christine is really good at that I'm not, and uh, and you know, I know that I know myself enough to know that I shouldn't, I shouldn't be treading in that in those waters. You know, like um, <laughs> even I was thinking about this the other day that. Uh, my tendencies are when I when I'm playing to go inward instead of outward. You know, like you you see a lot of musicians who are like they're sending energy out mm -hmm. into the audience, mm -hmm. and and my tendency is to go inward, and it's like to the point where sometimes I'll have to in my mind go, no, you're playing a show right now. <laughs> this is a, a show. It's not like you know. So I and then so I have to reverse that and and put start sending the energy out but but by doing that my playing isn't as good because naturally i go inward and that's where the groove is that's mm -hmm. where 
uh, where I get my, my mojo. But, uh, so to be a front person and be, and just, and be that, that type of player or person, I guess, uh, I, I don't think it, it works as well. Uh, you know, like, I think someone like Leith Fleming Smith, he's sending so much energy out yeah. into that. Like he lives to be on stage and, and that's what he does. And that's not me per se. So you sort of, you have to know your strong points. Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. is my whole point in talking about that. I just think it's very, it's very cool that you not only know that about yourself, but you're comfortable to be that way. Because when you think of an entertainer, you might think, well, even if this isn't me or this is uncomfortable, the expectation is that I am Aleth Fleming Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you've yeah. just found your way. So yeah, yeah, it it takes some uh, some uh, experimenting with you know, but it's uh, it's sort of what am I trying to say here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's us pointing things out about you, so it's it's really me just wanting to to recognize that in you and uh, yeah, make well, sure that I, I I'm accurate in my observations. Yeah, well, I've done a lot of observations of myself as well, so mm-hmm. a lot of these things I'm, I'm aware of, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is amazing, Dale. You're, you're someone who often isn't in the limelight, but you, you deserve all the recognition and uh, amazing accolades that someone at in the limelight should be getting. So yeah, you're, you're, you're steering the ship from the back, but, uh, you need those people uh, in the yeah. world, you know, you can't, not everyone can be the, uh, the captain. I, I do want to ask one last question about what TV series you're into right now. <laughs> Is that, that's what Christina does. I had a planted question. Uh, uh we, uh, we just started wa- uh, watching, uh, pen 15. Have you Pen fifteen? I haven't heard of it. It's uh, it's it's fu- it's yeah, it's funny. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, we'll have to check it out. Yeah. yeah, that'll be a good one to to mull around. So you're going to Europe pretty soon, or the UK? The UK. Okay, uh, yeah. In a couple of weeks, we'll be we're there for three weeks. Yeah, um, and that'll be uh, at least the the two of us. Christina is going out west as well to do some shows, but. It'll be the last real touring uh, for a little bit, yeah. um, maybe for this record that we do. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to it. We haven't been to the UK. Uh, well, we were there last summer just for a couple of shows, but we haven't done a tour in the UK since 2017, I think. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. That's fun. You get to weave in a little adventure and travel. Yeah. Nice break up the winter. There you uh, go. Although it's probably dark and dreary over there. Yeah, there's no snow, though. No snow. Yeah, and back for Junos in Halifax. We'll be back in town for the Junos and the ECMAs and uh, in Charlottetown. And, uh, yeah, and and then beyond that, we, you know, we take it as it comes. See where the wind blows, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been a really special chat. Yeah, thanks uh, so much for having me. Yeah, in. We've, we've got to hang out a few times, I know, but not in this way. And yeah. I've really enjoyed just getting to know more about you and your past. So thanks for being this here with us. This is super fun, yeah. yeah. It was a pleasure, Dale. My really pleasure. glad we could do this. Yeah. Okay, cheers, folks. Thanks for tuning in. 